Hey everybody, welcome to the Patty G Show. I'm your host, Patty G. We are here with John of JCW Creative. We're going to be talking branding, imaging, maybe some likeness, all things under the sun when it comes to business, persona, how you're projected to the world, and also how you're projected to your employees within. We're going to get to all of that stuff, but before we do, big, wonderful shout out to the amazing sponsors that make this show possible. Government Taco, Falaya Real Estate, Lake Men's Health Center, Horizon Financial Group, and Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge. Without further ado, John, welcome to the show. Good afternoon, sir. How are you doing today? I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm, I'm making it, man. I'm making it. It's another day. It's We're past tax season, so for me, that's a little bit of a breath of fresh air. Check. But now we're back into the grind, and we're sitting here and enjoying some lovely conversation. That's right. So who the heck are you, and what do you do? I'm John Williams with JCW Creative. Um, we are a marketing and creative services agency. Um, we work with clients um, to create their story, to tell their story, and to um, achieve their marketing goals. Um, we, uh, we're just over 10 years old. Um, we've, we've been doing this um, as a team um, for, a, for a while, and we work with great clients um, locally and afar um, to tell their stories and, and capture their authentic selves. Um, I began the business as video um, and video content creation. And so clients that are great for us are ones that have a, a story to tell and visuals to tell. Um, and we love the opportunity to do that. So how did you get into marketing? Um, well, or, or do you define yourself as a marketer? What do you what's the definition you marketer, give? storyteller, okay, storyteller um, okay. you know, uh, the, uh, <laughs> definitions, um, you know, those are always fun. Um, I, uh, I began when I was, when I was 13 years old, I mowed lawns. Um, something inspired me to mow lawns to save up to buy a camera. Um, and so I worked all summer, mowed lawns, uh, I needed $600. Um, and I took that money to Best Buy with my dad and, um, put that money down to buy the camera I had wanted. I was short. I didn't know about sales tax yet. I was about to ask, um, did you know about sales yeah, tax? So, Dad, that, that was my first loan as well. Dad <laughs> spotted me the $100, $100 for sales tax and uh, then paid him back as the grass grew longer. Um, but uh, from that point on, it's been using a camera to tell stories. Um, I love talking to people. I love meeting people. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I use the camera in high school to, to film basketball games and football games and weddings and, you know, make a promotional video for the school and, and work for other local businesses up in Memphis, where I'm from, um, and then brought that down here to LSU. Um, in college, I went to um, LSU and um, was a student videographer on the football team um, under Coach Miles and um, got the opportunity to film practice um, every day and, and games, um, and be a part of that program where I learned a lot, a lot about Baton Rouge, a lot about Louisiana, a lot about the culture down here and the people, the food, um, and, and just wanted to stay. And so throughout college, I met clients that are, that are our clients today and, and started building a team and, and a company here. It's one of those first lessons every young entrepreneur learns when they go to buy a big item, big ticket item, it's taxes. Yeah. For my case, it was uh, tax title and license when you purchase your first vehicle. Just enough cash to purchase the vehicle. My dad goes, okay, now you got to register it. I go, oh, how much is that going to be? 10%. I'm like, hey, dad. Yeah. <laughs> Don't yeah. quite have enough to bridge that gap. Yeah. 
After you do that, you learn that very valuable lesson. That they don't teach you much about taxes in high school. No, and the price tag's never the final cash payout. That That's one thing to keep in mind. So you yeah. did grass cutting. Yeah. That's not an easy first venture. I did grass cutting as well. I think I was probably 11. Started with my brothers, who was 16, got a truck, did the whole, let's cut grass this summer. It was brutal. Why, why did you do grass cutting? <sighs> That's a great question. I don't know that I've ever I mean, like, thought about like that. lemonade stands um, are a lot easier. You could sit yeah, in the shade. There was there were some lemonade stands. <laughs> I think ultimately it was the cash payout um, okay. of of a lawn, and you know the lawns needed to be cut, and and it was a recurring, um, you know, recurring uh, income source. That that's um, a good that's a good train of thought. To. Recurring um, revenue source and everything. Right. So, um, you know, it was it was something I enjoyed doing. Um, I now don't cut the lawn. It turns out that I am allergic to everything that grows. Um, yes. So um, I, I don't cut the lawn or work in the yard, um, even though I love doing it, um, because I'll, I won't be able to breathe for a few days. So is this something you developed later in life, or did you have this ever since you started cutting grass and you just thought it was, ah, it's just the heat or something? I, I think it was that. Um, <laughs> I, I finally, uh, a doctor um, uh, had me a few years ago do a um, an allergy test, and that's when, when I found out. Very nice. So you figure out grass cutting is not your long-term play. That's it right. was this camera thing. What, right. what about the camera drew you into it? I think um, just capturing moments. Um, you know, we, we constantly forget things that happen. Um you know, we forget the past. Um, and so just that ability to capture people's raw emotions, pe capture, um, you know, things as they happen. Um, and, you know, if we if you work with us, we're not going to we're not going to stage a lot. We're not going to um, send you questions ahead of time. We're going to do it off the cuff. We're going to get you in your element, and in your action, because that's how that's how you are. That's your authentic self. Um, and, and so that's what it's always been. It's about capturing those moments, um, and getting to relive them later, you know, in whatever way that looks like. Authentic storytelling. That's right. Is one of the most beautiful things you can ever capture within and using a camera because you get, like you said, that real raw moment, even if, like you said, you hadn't thought about that question before, mm -hmm. still taking that time to hang on a sec, let me process this. Let me think about it. And then given your answer, it's okay. This isn't prepared. This is not a speech you wrote out and going, okay, here are our talking points. Put it on the teleprompter. Let's go through what we have to go through. It's, no, 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 this is what we feel right here and right now. And then looking back on it years ago, you can see how you've grown. I've done that with the show where I looked back on episodes from 2020, and we had Brian Haldane on. We were recording on my screen porch, and he was like, I have, I have to go. We have five cases of COVID in Louisiana. And, like, that was a big deal at the time. Whereas now we look at the times and how things have shifted. When you take a look at somebody telling their story or their business 20 years ago and do like a, or one of those rewatch videos where they rewatch that interview and then they do the same interview again and you can see how things have changed, it's powerful. Yeah. So you bought the first camera, you did some recording. I mean, where were you, were you posting this anywhere? Were you, was this a source of income or was this purely still just a pure passion project? Yeah, so um, I uh, brought that camera into school because I was naturally a, a nerd um, and, uh, you know, had it in the hallways and uh, brought it into math class um, with our <laughs> algebra teacher. 
You were filming uh, math class? You know, I just had the camera in the class. Because, you know, you walk around with your camera. If you have a camera, obviously. Uh, I was Um, homeschooled. I wouldn't know. Okay, I'll take your word for it. Um, And uh, so my my teacher, who was also the coach of the varsity basketball program, and now I went to a high school um, that – had only been around. I was the fourth graduating class. Um, the 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 lower school. Um, it originally started out as a day school. So the lower school K through six had been around for fifty years. But when I was there, they had built a middle school and high school. Um, and so I had. There was a lot of opportunity. There was a lot of ways that students could get involved in in ways that you know wouldn't normally be common. And so the the math teacher, Coach Ruffin, at the time asked me, "Is that your camera?" And I said, "Yeah." And he said. How would you like to film my basketball games? I need somebody to film my basketball games. And I said, sure. Um, and so, you know, I'm 13 at the time. He's driving me home, um, you know, and, and picking me up after school, et cetera. And we're driving to the, to the basketball games. And so I really fell in love with sports. And I fell in love with sports videography. And as I was filming the, the games for him, you know, I noticed that there are parents all around who want that footage. And so I started working the bleachers at halftime and – and timeouts, hey, you want to buy season videos? Um, oh, and so I'd sell, you know, the whole season of 25 games for $100 was the was the price. That's not unreasonable. It's not unreasonable. That's pretty I good. Mean, shit, what is that, four bucks a $4 game? $4 a game. And if we go into the playoffs, that's included. That's a added Oh, it value. was included? It was included. So, uh, yeah, what? got them all. Yeah, um, you, 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 yeah. So, wait, so we're. And hey, everybody loves to watch Little Jimmy play basketball. Oh, absolutely. And so. then they don't have to worry about. Because, so for for a technology reference, what year are we talking about here? We're talking about 2004. So, this is pre iPhone, right? Pre iPhone. So, okay, so this is pre time when parents could grab their phone That's correct. and record little, little Timmy. Yeah. That this was now. How are we going to get this footage? How are we yeah. going to reserve this? And to really put it on uh, in technology, I had to. Now, I was filming on on high-def tape, um, okay. but I had to put the film onto VHS for the coach because that was the only way he wanted to watch it. On VHS? On VHS. So was this at the time where you could sell DVDs to the yes. parents? Okay. So I was so what, selling what, what DVDs. What is this process yeah, yeah. to convert? So this process was, <laughs> first of all, I just bought a converter where where it ran to a tape um, while, while I was filming um, so that I could give it to him after. And he loved that because you could stick in a VHS and it's right where you left off. So you can be going over the game or going over a play and it's right there. The power. The power. Of VHS. Hey. Like that technology, that's right. just that's right. The the technology could rewind with your fingers, you know. Best technology that's there right. was. So um, it was DVDs. So I would go home every night um, from a game, and I would um, I would download the media to the computer. Um, now this was actually back in those days where like mini DV tape, you had to back it up and then like play it back into the computer. So it's not like it's not like it was just you know grab a clip so i had to record it into the computer um still many days so many early days yeah early days of the digital technology um and so i would play the game back you know mom of course hated this it's like why aren't you working on school work and i'm just like this is my career i this is what i want to do filming Um, filming games or filming filming? uh, just filming working with i knew that i could was going to be able to take the you know what i was building in the future and make something more of it and um you know, then at year two, so I, the first year I filmed, it was seventh grade. 
um, I was in seventh grade. And then the second year. You're doing this as a seventh grader? Yeah, the second year, I'm in eighth grade. And I got smart this year. And I said, you know what? Not only am I going to sell these parents the $100 tapes. I think I might have gone up to 120 the second year. But I'm also going to. Inflation. 20% inflation. That's right. (laughs) I'm also going to ask them if they want a highlight video of their. So now you're going to have edited videos. Right. And I knew, I got, I realized that if I got this commitment at the beginning of the season, I could log. Well, let's back up to these, uh, to the economics of this. So CDs were not as cheap as they are now, I'm assuming. So were you even profitable? <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> there were no costs. I know for sure and, you weren't filing yeah, sales tax reports. I, I was not filing sales tax reports. <laughs> I can tell you that. Okay. Um, I, uh, I, my mom did file taxes um, under her of my income because I do have P&Ls all the way back to this day. You do? I do. So I could go and look at the cost. Um, because I did record every then, expense. Okay, we um, would love. I want to post one of those with, with one of your posts. Okay, when this goes on social I media, dig it up. I want to. I want to attach that photo. I, it was as a little kicker. If, just you, if you've got it, just yeah. Oh, it's yeah. In, it was in Excel. It was in Excel. It was I digital. Had income and expenses. Yeah, yeah. So you were the tech and, guru of your time. Um, if you say so. Okay, so eighth grade. I'm loving this. So eighth, grade, All right, eighth grade, yeah, yeah. 120 so, bucks. Yeah, so now I'm like, okay, I'm highlight videos. You want to you want a highlight video? You want a highlight video? And once again, everybody wants a highlight video of their child. And so this Even was Even if they're good or not. And which I t- I regret <laughs> Even that they were on the bench the whole game. <laughs> right. End of the season, there were a few players that I was like, shit. I got four made baskets all year. How am I going to make a highlight video that I pre charged for and got prepayment Wait, so up how front. much were you charging for this the highlight the videos, highlight videos. Would go up to like 250 um you doubled your price yeah 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 yeah, yeah. there was a lot so, of effort so in, an, in addition this. and so now you this know, was, i this say all this because i'm to the coming, videos yes and so i'm, I'm coming oh home gosh. at night i'm burning the the games to a dvd then i'm copying them for the let's say 13 14 parents that Holy got them smokes. and but wait 13 or 14 parents you're oh, making yeah. serious money yeah Yep. As then, an eighth grader. That's impressive. Correct. And then I realized into year three that I'm I'm at these games anyway. I might as well do this for women's basketball. So I then copied the business model to women's basketball. Um, but I would I would stay up at night and I would log. So I would say that, you know, Jimmy had a basket at ten forty five, you know, on this time code. You would log that? And so I would log every player. You would so, pull from the sports reports from the game? No, I'm saying like, like don't I would they log document that time that? code. Oh, the time I was code. basically building the highlight videos as I went throughout the season. So that when we got to the end, you know, I'm, I'm there. Yeah, so I'm you'd already there. had, okay, Yeah. number 43 at 2 minutes and 15 yeah. seconds. And I'm pre-cut. Had a nice little pass. You know, yeah. And every yeah. year I got better. I mean, because I did this from 7th grade to senior year in high school. Okay, so that's so. What kind of computer were you using? If this is early two thousands, I mean, you're not using yeah. a, Adobe Premiere or anything like that. Um, no, I was using iMovie for the first um, few years, and I, that was getting so you very had a tedious. You had I did the top have top of the line. Yeah, back okay. then it was a shoot. Was it? It wasn't an iBook, but it was it was a PowerBook. I think was okay. the name of it back then. PowerBook fifteen inch. I trashed that thing too. Um, you burned, burned through it. You know, I, I would eventually I would bring it to to you know the games because every year things would get more technologically advanced. Um, and so by sophomore year, 
I actually figured out the technology. I think like Ustream had come online. Um, and so I figured out the technology to route the camera feed through my laptop because our school had Wi-Fi. It was a brand new gym. And so I would, I routed, um, I basically live streamed the games. Um, and so I would push out to the student body, um, you know, the game um, at night. And so people that weren't there could watch it online at home. Now, once again, this was 2007. Um, that, that's impressive for a student to get done on their own. Like, I'm assuming there's no staff or anybody at the school that's providing assistance with this. No, it was just me wanting to figure out, and it was, it was you know, I loved it. So did you start requesting the school to pay you for your services? So about then, about sophomore year, I mean, um, now we're streaming. We're doing a lot. Correct. We're doing a lot correct. more. We're giving than coaches just doing film. a stationary right. film, right? And, like this right. is this is a true service. And then by then, um, I had I had the soccer coach committed for the spring. Basketball was in the winter up in Memphis, and then I had football in the fall. So I was doing it three year seasons round. a year. Um, and um, we switched athletic directors about that time, and the new athletic director came in. And looked at me and was like, you're not getting paid to do this by the school? I was like, yeah, but I'm making money from the parents and all that. He's like, great. And you should. But we should also be paying you too. <laughs> so then the school started paying me. Um, and we worked out a deal and and went, you know, did it through the remainder of, of, um, of high school. And basketball was my true love. I loved basketball. I loved the basketball team. We were very good. Um, there were a few players that ended up going and playing in college. Um, but every year we, we got this close to winning state championship. Not every year. Every year we, we progressed. Um, and finally when I was, um, uh, you know, I think sophomore year we made it to like the semifinals. And then senior, uh, junior year we, were, we thought we were going to win. We knew we were going to win. We were in the state championship. We lost by one point at the buzzer. Oh. And we were, I was crushed. And that was, you know, some of our best players were graduating that year. So, you know, I was like, sure enough, you know, there's no way we're going to do it next year. And and then that next team, team the next year was a group of guys that was just scrappy and had all the effort and were great teammates and had been, you know, growing up under these other players that, w that had gone off and played college ball. And sure enough, in the year that nobody expected us to win the state championship, on my last, you know, year, my last game of, of basketball, we won the state championship. In the the night before the game, right now, I'm the videographer. Okay, I am yeah, the you're, videographer. You're the videographer of the school the at this point. I, you're employed the by the school, correct? Um, and it's like 2 a.m. the night before the basketball game. I can't sleep. I'm so nervous for us. <laughs> and I go down. I go down to the lobby of the hotel. So I'm rooming with the best player. Um, I go down to the lobby of the hotel. Wait, so you're also traveling with the team? Oh yeah, yeah. Wherever team went, I went. I'm rooming with the with with one of our best players at the time, and I go down to the lobby, and the coach is down there. So the coach and the video guy, the night before the state championship, are in the lobby, stressed and 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 anxious <laughs> and freaked out, and all the players are sound asleep up in their hotel rooms. Good as they should be. As they, they should get rested. As you know? they should be. They, the work's on them, really. That's right. That's right. Um, so, um, that year at the, at the banquet of the basketball, um, program, we won state, um, and the team and the coach, you know, got up to do the awards, the most valuable player and the most improved and all that. And they, the coach got up and said, 
we're not going to give out any awards this year for anybody, you know, on this team. No most improved, no this. It was a team effort, but we're going to give one award for the guy that's been here for all along and has put in his time and effort into this program. And, and they gave me the award. Um, and that was, that just meant the world Wow! because it had been since seventh grade. I had been filming that team longer than any player had been associated with the team. Yeah. I mean, this is six years at that point in the making. Yeah. That is, and I loved it. That's powerful. So do they still use, some highlight clips from that season where you were filming they do and like some big promo videos they They still use some of your footage yeah we still work for the school my our company goes up and and oh y'all do work for the school um they'll be uh, having the 20th anniversary this year of that campus that's the high school so we'll be going up in a few weeks and filming the the celebration and being a part of it um the school's been a um, uh, you know, it was a big part of my growth and learning and I love to go, go up and, and see how it's grown and give back in, in the ways that I can. Yeah. I mean, that's like your, I mean, that's your origin story. Correct. See, if only there was somebody capturing you capture them, that would have been a cool story to see. It usually didn't happen. <laughs> they never get to the behind the camera shot, right? Yeah. Like how important very, is that shot? I don't think very important. You don't think? It doesn't tell the story. Yeah, but it does when you have a story like that. It tells that story. You're it right. may not tell the story of the team, but it tells the story of the person who told the story of the team, yeah. which I think is pretty cool. Anyways, yeah. so after after high school, graduated. I yeah, mean, you're, so you're, at was, this point, you're making, I mean, these parents are paying your hand over fist at every sport at this point, I'm sure. Yeah, um, I didn't have to, you know, mom didn't have to pay for anything for me mm-hmm. in high school, um, which was great. I could go do my own thing. Um, and... Uh, the athletic director, the same athletic director that had come into the to the school and started paying me, he said, you know, you can go do this for any college um, anywhere you want and, and get a full ride. Um, you just you just let me know what school you want to go to and and, um, you know, we'll we'll talk about it and we'll figure out what what needs to be done. So LSU was the only place I, I wanted to go. Um, it was Why? either. It was either between LSU or University of Tennessee. I loved Tennessee. Um, I loved um, basketball. As I said, I knew I was going to either go to Tennessee and film basketball or I was going to go to LSU and film football. And um, uh, Tennessee um, had Bruce Pearl at the time. um, And I really wanted to go there. But uh, my parents in high school had gotten a divorce and my dad um, lived down in Louisiana. Louisiana was originally where our family was from. Um, so I thought, you know, I would love to, to go down closer to my dad and, and get to know, um, you know, get to further our relationship as I go to college and not be a 12 hour drive to go see dad or family, um, et cetera. So it was really a a geographical decision and decided to come and, and play, you know, not play, um, you know, film for the LSU football team and go to, um, you know, broadcast journalism school at LSU, um, and love the food. Food's food always food keeps plays. you here. I wanted I wanted some crawfish. Really, yeah, I get that. Okay, uh-huh. so coming back to your roots was the big pull to come here. I mean, because yeah. if you're in Memphis, right? Correct. So if you're in Memphis, Tennessee, and you're thinking where am I going to go to university, and you have a Tennessee university, it's like how in the world did you throw this dart on the map for LSU? Yeah. Nonetheless, what was your experience like here? First, did you get the full ride? Got the full ride. Love that. Um, 
you uh, you don't start out first semester in the full ride. Um, they have to vet you and and confirm that you're actually. Um, you know, you've got you've got the talent. And you were um, like, here's six years worth of footage that I yeah, created myself. There was, here's some um, highlight reels, some I promos. Was able, I was able to get the scholarship beginning my second semester. Normally, okay. they don't give it to any freshman, but they were able to they were able to swing it for me. Um, and uh, you know, that program at LSU when I was there, it was five, six of us on the video staff. Um, and now I think there's ten or twelve. Um, video staff, student student members outside of the three full-time uh, members. And Doug Oakwin, who was my boss at, at LSU, won video coordinator of the year last year. Um, he's renowned in the in the collegiate um, athletics world for, for what he does with LSU and what he's done with LSU now for many decades. Um, so he was um, a great boss and mentor to work for and learn a lot of the ropes about working for and producing content and, you know, doing what LSU does, which is on a, on a different scale than I had ever done. Yeah, there, and I don't know if it's because of how much I look at media and what people do and the quality and the kind of work they put together with the cameras, but this year I've noticed so much more video people on the ground for yeah. everything in Tiger Stadium yeah. with, their, with their gimbals and they're walking around the whole time through everything. I'm like, I'm, I don't know if it's just me. Or, or if other people are noticing, I'm like, this is, like, the level of production is ramped up for 22. Well, and so now LSU has launched LSU Gold, I believe it's called. Yeah. Which is their own streaming content service. And so, as you know, as build. you know, content is king. Yeah. Um, and, and content is is monet, monetizable. Monetizable. Um, so um, LSU is, is just pouring investment into that to create more content to justify the cost of their app. Um, and their subscription service, um, and they've got they've got the content to show. They they've got the content number one, and they've got I think I think a base of clients that are willing to pay for it, right? And I think once they because they have they haven't launched yet, right? Or have oh they no, launched? it's launched. It's they launched, launched okay. it to start the preseason, um, start the pre-season. you could follow Brian Kelly's journey. That's right, but. Football is not their only source of content. That's the I get that's the big push right now. Yep. But I think what's going to be key to them is pushing their lesser viewed sports, their lesser attended sports. Because during the offseason, people that are still so diehard sports fans, you're going to listen to talk radio, you're going to listen to people like the Jordy Collada show. Yep. And you want something other than just football, although if you would you could live football year round, sure, but yep. there's a lot of other sports going on and I think it would behoove them to do a lot more pushing of like all their other unique sports that not everybody's attending or watching as of yet yep. because of the power that they have with the platform. That's right. And I think you're going to see a lot more of that. Obviously football is what grabs the people in yeah. and then, and then they'll be able to produce more and more of that content and, and continue to follow these journeys. Yeah. It's uh, I think what pulls people in is those first uh, four notes from the tiger band. Every time. <laughs> every, every time, time. just send chills right down every every and, person's body. And I didn't care, you know, when I was when I was in college and whether you know, when when we had that home game. Um oh my you gosh. know, and, and I was a lot of times the in game editor, um or a runner. Um and so I would make sure to be down on that sideline when that band started marching at fifteen minutes out from the game and I knew right where to be and right where to stand on the sideline to get get those four notes right right in front of you and 
and that just it just the, the the chills down your spine every time with those hundred thousand people surrounding you was just the coolest thing every game and i never missed it in my four years it's electric it like just send something through you yeah and i know they just did something i'm, I'm hoping that they did something just as powerful for the after game band off that happened with southern and lsu yeah because those that stayed got a treat they did they did so you're at lsu you realize this is it this is what you're going to do for your career yeah now you've been doing this as yourself throughout seventh and eighth grade and all through high school getting paid by parents getting paid by all this leveraging your skills and sales you knew how to sell the product the end product at least yeah. now taking this after graduation was your first step to i want to take this and scale it out to be what you are today with jcw or was it a different route all entirely so when I um, when I came down, um, I was actually the first few months of freshman year. I was actually pretty homesick. Um, I come down to LSU. Not very many people go to um, come down to Baton Rouge from Memphis. Um, obviously, you got your your Ole Miss, your your Mississippi State, your Arkansas, your Tennessee. That are really common. Vanderbilt, if you're the smart one. Um, and uh, so for me, I was I was filming practice. I mean, you're talking about three and a half, four hours a day of snaps, all 22 angle, end zone angle, going up 50 feet on a lift. So I had gone from being creative and, and getting to film games and getting to film highlights and cool shots and producing those types of videos to coaches film of practice of every snap. So I, I got online and I built my website. Um, freshman year i said i, I got what platform have. did you use um i used um at the time it was webs.com okay okay um and since been bought up and rolled up into squarespace i think um but with that it came with a hundred dollar free google ads credit which they still do if you build any website you're going to get a hundred dollar google ads credit but at the time that went a lot further it did that went a whole lot for Again, her. inflation. Yeah. Uh, no, I just attribute that to Google. <laughs> yeah, it's valid. Um, but uh, so I built my website that that we do video production work and photography work and, and design work. And at that point, I had built a website or two in, in high school for some some friends. Um, so I, I just built a website and I did that Google ad credit. And from that Google ad credit, I think I got a couple thousand dollars worth of business. Um, whether it was some weddings or a small promo video. And so I started in freshman year while I was working at the foot with the football team while I was at, at college, just starting to sort of do commercial work. Um, so you're a madman. You're doing, you're doing commercial work, attending university and filming for the university. Correct. I mean, that's like the trifecta. I had priority scheduling as a football player, so I got to pick. Wait, they labeled you as a football player? I'm a te I was technically a on my fee bill. If you remember the fee bill from LSU, yeah. it was football program scholarship, football player scholarship. So, Did you, wait, could you Letterman in then? Oh yeah, I have I have championship rings. Oh I have LSU Letterman jacket. I have anything that a football player got. I got. I have tens of thousands of dollars worth of <laughs> LSU swag that is in a box in my attic. In a box? Um, you need an yeah. LSU room. Yeah. One day. One day. Make it your office. Come on. Yeah. 
Yeah. I've seen um, your new building. You've got some space. <laughs> Thank you. So, um, you know, it was, it was about juggling time. Um, I booked all of my classes to be done by 11. I would go to 7.30 to 10.30, 11 or so. And then I would, um, I would edit, you know, for a few hours for my personal work. And then practice was at 2 o'clock every day. Um, and then we practiced from 2 to 7 every day. And then we'd go home and knock out whatever schoolwork or video work was, was needed. So um, you were like an entrepreneur from the get-go. Starting with cutting grass to moving into seventh and eighth grade, you never were like, what company does this that I can go work for? Your mindset was more of what client can I get that'll pay me money. Right. Wow. So graduate. So you had already started the company at LSU. Yeah. So um, started the company, you know, got an LLC, you know, online in my in my dorm room, I remember, um, and uh, started the company, if you will. And then... Um, that year, later that year, I um, the, I bought a house. The guys that I was rooming with, wait, one, freshman year, um, sophomore year, sophomore. So okay. after I lived in the dorm, and then and then I bought a house, um, and I wanted to be in the garden district. At that point, I knew I wanted to stay in Baton Rouge. I had fallen in love with the 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 culture here, the food, the people, the community aspect, um, LSU, the football program. It had just enlightened me to a lot that I enjoyed and. And so I said I wanted to be here. My sister had graduated LSU just before me. And so she was like, she told me where I should look. And I, I found a house and, and I bought that house. And then a few months later, and actually while I was in the process of buying the house, the office that we would eventually have, I looked at it, told my friend I was with, I said, one day we're gonna, I'm going to buy that office when it goes for sale. And, no way. And I'm going to put our office there. And five months later, it went for sale. So I totally bit my tongue on that because I was not expecting five months later. But when I looked back in the property tax and in the rolls, the last time it had changed hands was like the 60s. So I was like, I know I've got to get my hands on this. Um, called, I watched the property. It was for lease. It was for lease. But I knew that they wanted to give it up. Um, and so I watched it for about four months for lease, for lease. Drove by one day. Sign had changed to available. I called the agent. I said, does this mean I can buy it? He said, yeah. I met him in the morning on Saturday, toured it, had an offer accepted by Sunday, and, and we were under contract. Um, and how, how long ago was that? That was in 2012, so that was 10 years ago. Okay. Um, and um, we've now owned that building for 10 years, and we moved out of it um, about six months ago into our new property. Um, but I bought that when I was in, it was the summer between sophomore and senior year at the time. I mean, sophomore and junior year, excuse me. Um, and... Uh, I I used it as a studio. I used it as an edit, um, you know, an editing office. And then, sure enough, you know, a few months later, I hired my first employee. And so I would get up. I would go to school. I would do some classwork. I would head back to the office. I would check in. Um, then I'd go to football practice. Um, I knew I had to finish college. I knew I had to to do what I finish what I had started. So junior year and. I had been going to summer school throughout college, so I was able to graduate a semester early. Okay. Um, and so I, I did it in three and a half years. Everybody had told me since day one, you do not want to hang around the football program after the bowl game for your spring semester when you are not coming back because it's you're no longer attached to the next season and the next year, and who cares about spring football? So um, I needed to yeah. get done, and, and obviously I was eager uh -huh. to get done and, and start focusing more on the business. So 
graduated in um, in 2013, um, and and then just have been full time, never looking back since then. So hiring your first employee as a college student, one, what was that like? Um, well, I had no clue what I was doing. So uh, you know, let's remember I went to mass communications um, school. It was not business school. So um, I didn't really know how to manage people or, or any of those things. Um, so I did the best I could and, um, you know, learned through it, um, you know, had, had, had new people, you know. These were part-time, you know, team members at the time, you know, to, to do what it needed to be done. Um, you know, at that point we were doing weddings, we were doing commercials, we were, you know, walk-ons called us, um, back in the day and had already bought airspace, um, where they needed a commercial the next day. And Brandon called me and we went up to, to the walk-ons on Burbank and we filmed some people eating lunch and threw together a commercial and they ran it the next day. Love um, it. so it was just, it was just about finding, finding the way through each job and through each client need and trying to understand the client and what they were looking for. And, you know, being a part of the football team, I was meeting people. You know, I was getting introduced to this guy who does that or this guy who needs that. And then and then my boss as well, being the video coordinator for LSU football, would get calls. Hey, I need somebody to do this. And so he'd, he'd say, I got a student that, that loves, to, you know, to do freelance and to do additional work. So that's how I really got, got started and got going over the years. So the first hire, were they older, younger, same age as you? They were one or two years older than me. Okay, so not not a significant yeah. age difference. You didn't have to not deal with age. that Correct. age yeah. difference, kind of awkward conversation where it's, uh, yeah, you're 10 years older than me and I'm your boss. Yes. That yes. can be tough for, especially people getting to just start out within the, the world of business and not having that background of management and working through everything. So it sounds like you kind of skirted that pretty well. Yeah. So when did you, do y'all still do weddings and all that stuff or... Yeah, so we did over the years, and I had started weddings. The the algebra teacher that was the basketball coach, um, I, he was also my first wedding to film, and I okay. did I did his wedding when I was thirteen, as well. Um, so it was right in the beginning days. So mom dropped me off at his wedding, and then hung around until the ceremony was over, and then took me to the reception, and I filmed at the reception and made their video and. From that point on, um, when I was 13 doing my first wedding, I stopped doing weddings um, about seven or eight years ago. Um, and so over that time, I did 560-something weddings. Holy um, smokes. Yeah. Um, I do not miss it. What? <laughs> I mean, I know why you wouldn't want to stick around with filming weddings if you're doing so much corporate work. But what for you was the click? For, hey, let's hang up this product. You know, everybody tells you and you get told constantly, you know, hey, you got to give up weddings. Once you give up weddings, you'll be able to enlighten, you'll be able to, you'll, you'll open up a new world, you know, but when, when you've got employees and you've got revenue coming in and you, you got to make you payroll, know, right, you got to make payroll. And so um, for me, it was, it was a few years that I fought it of like, no, we got to keep it. We got to keep it. Um, and then as the business grew from a revenue perspective and I, I saw the corporate work 
um, in its consistency. Cause that's the thing about, you know, project work and weddings, weddings, you can have booked for two years, you know, you can, you can have them out and you can forecast financials because you know, you know, when weddings are coming in, but when you're working for corporate clients and it's just fly by the seat of a project, then one month you've got this revenue and the next month nobody calls and you've got no revenue. Um, and you've got team members. Um, so, um, it was once we were able to build a book of business and build a clientele that we had consistency and we had recurring revenue where, where I knew I could, I could properly provide for, for my employees and make sure that everybody went home with a paycheck, um, was when I was really able to look at the P and L and say, okay, we need to let go of weddings. It's nothing more than a waste of, not a waste. It's nothing more than a, than a time suck for us. We need to focus on our corporate clients and our commercial clients and what we do well for them. Right, because your wedding, <clears throat> you know, hopefully you only do one wedding for one person ever, and so there are a few that there are multiple over the over the <laughs> decade and a half. Yeah, people call you back up. Hey, that first wedding you did such a great job. Come uh-huh. to my second wedding. They'd ask for uh, discounts the second time. <laughs> <laughs> you think they're uh, gonna get a volume discount? <laughs> volume discount on weddings. <laughs> so, anyways, so you, but with that, it's not recurring. You know, and it sounds kind of like your whole model of being an entrepreneur was finding that business or that product that could give you recurring revenue. Whether it was cutting grass, you knew the Smiths needed their yard cut every single week, and it was 25 30 bucks, whatever the price was. Yep. You knew you were getting that every single week. Yep. Where with the, re- with the weddings, you could have them booked out, you know, but you're only going to get Mr. and Mrs. Jones once, you know, hopefully, you're not going to get them every single year. Right. And with the corporate clients, it was more that, okay, they may need something next week or the month after. And so when you have these corporate clients, how are you working with them to do two things? First, ensure that you stay in business, but to ensure the products that they need still fit within your wheelhouse. Yeah. So for us, um, you know, over the years, I had seen clients come and look for projects, Um, you know, and for us, the, the bane of my first existence at the beginning was clients would have us produce content for them, video content, photo content, graphic content, but they didn't use it. They, we, would, we would hand it over to them. It wasn't in our scope as a production or creative agency to take it in and have it deliver, hit the market for them. So we would, I would see these videos. I would go back to a client six months, 12 months later and see they had 13 views on their YouTube. And I'm like, Hey, what did y'all do with this? And nothing. We didn't put it on our website. We didn't, we didn't put it on social media. We didn't engage in a campaign. We didn't use it. Um, and so I, I realized that clients would come to us because they knew they needed a video and, and they knew that we were a great place to do it, but they didn't, they didn't know what to do with it after. Um, and so I started realizing that, Clients needed not only content creation, but they need they need that delivery. They need the execution of of sending it and engaging it and 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 seeing how that content affects their following and grows their following. Sales are about touch points. It's constant touch points. And the more touch points you have with a prospect, the more likely you are to sell them on a service or a product. It's not very complicated. And so we started we started then putting together, you know, more project proposals and quotes for clients about great content or great things that they should do. 
And then you would give it or you'd deliver it to a client because they had that cost line at the bottom. They might not do it and they or they'd sit on it for six months when really you knew that that was they they really should have invested in that as a, at a point so that it could have achieved what they were looking to do. Now that they've waited six months, we got to go back to the drawing board. And so we knew that clients wanted consistency in their budget. We knew that clients wanted to know what they were going to pay with marketing. And we knew that clients had come from other marketing agencies where one day they're paying $30,000 over here for a, a website or a project. And then the next day they're paying $14,000 and the next day they're paying. And it just, it's this constant, constant fluctuation for a client. And so, so many of them are scared of marketing or content creation because of that, that price unknown. So what we do is we work with our clients to identify a budget. We work with a client to really assess their needs, get to understand what their company does. Every company, no matter how big or small you are, no matter what service or product you sell, you need a marketing plan. If you have goals, you need a marketing plan. What that marketing plan looks like differs. It differs from different different industries, different types of, of cust clients, different sizes of companies, and different goals that they all want to achieve. If you want to grow faster, then you want you need to market more, most likely. Um, and so we started to really understand our clients' goals and needs, and we started a different approach of putting together a plan, a plan for six months, a plan for 12 months of this is the content that needs to be created. This is the type of content that needs to be created. We might not know in six months what exactly we're going to make it about, but we know that you're going to need a case study and you're going to routinely need case studies. You're going to routinely need other spotlights or forms of content, depending on what your business is. So we started building out a, a model, a marketing plan for the year, and then dividing it, that cost, dividing that plan by 12 months and giving it to our clients as a set monthly budget so that they know what they're going to pay, yet we're executing. And we're not making one-off decisions based on doing that video, doing that, not doing that because of price. Every month we're showing up to their meeting. They're not showing up to the meeting with us saying, hey, I want to talk about this. This is what I need an update on. We're showing up to the meeting, leading their marketing meeting for them, presenting to them, telling them where we are, what things are we're working on, what the next campaign is, asking them for feedback about what they're seeing, what they're hearing, showing them the data of what we're seeing and, and asking that if that aligns with what they're, they're getting and seeing on their end. So we find that a client committing to a budget, now we can all work together to have ideas and, and come up with great solutions. And we don't go back to a client. If we come up with an idea for a new type of video, we don't have to go back to a client and say, it's going to cost another $3,000 to do that. Oh, well, that was a great idea, but I can't afford that right now because I've already got stuff in that I'm planned for expense-wise. Yeah. Well, great. Well, that does nobody any help. So if we have a set budget, now we can create. And when you call us and tell us or you tell us that you're going out next month with a great customer and you're going to do an amazing lift with your you know, crane and it's going to be an amazing shoot, we're going to send our drone pilots out there and we're going to capture that content even though it was never on our proposal. But our proposal was to create video content, photo content. Our plan was to capture your work as it happens. So we're not wasting time talking about money and, and all that we're executing. We're coming up with great right. ideas. We're creating the content and we're getting it out. Cause in today's world, it's about timeliness as well. And 
going back to what we talked about in the very beginning, the authenticity of the timeliness content you're getting out there. Like you said, they say, mm-hmm. we're going to a great <clears throat> installation, we're going to a great lift, whatever it may be. We're going to come and capture that. We're not going to sit you down and give you prompted questions and have you answer that, and then we'll pull content from there, yep. which some marketing firms do. Yep. It's, no, 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 we're going to go and be in your warehouse, be in your office spaces, film that phone call with you that you're having with a client and make sure that we can pull that and use that for your content because that's what's so authentic to your viewers and your next potential customer. They, well, yeah, you're, you need the content of asking you these bullet questions. That's your about me page on your website. Now let's focus on the other side of your marketing plan and getting that content out there. It's authentic. You showing people you do all of this. I didn't know you do all of that. Well, now we can showcase it via marketing and via these videos in a platform that is not something you may first think, oh, yeah, we got to be on there posting X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And this content is your asset as a business. And that's something that we love because we're capturing this content routinely and we're going out and we're filming that lift or that installation or that final product or, or our clients in action. But as we work for them time over time, month over month, we're building a library to where now we can produce an end of the year video and check out everything we did this year because it's the end of the year. Or now when that client calls us and says, I just got an opportunity and we're going down in a day and a half to present to this client. Can you pull together a video that we use in our sales pitch that's specifically tailored to them or their industry? And guess what? Because we have a library and because we have organization and we can we can throw that into the into our into our production schedule we can get a video made this afternoon from our server and we can deliver something that now you can go and win big and now we've just helped you reach that next level because you've had a team behind you yeah which that level of detail and that level of marketing like every company needs that yeah and if they can't if they don't have the room in the budget for a full staff under them, then outsourcing to them is the way to go. Correct. Because you have that whole team. You're handling payroll. You're handling X, Y, and Z within your own company that all they have to do is worry about that monthly fee and the services being provided. Yeah. And that, I mean, that just allows companies to go from here to the next level without them even realizing it. Correct. Instead of hiring an intern to pay 30 to 40 bucks a month on Google ads or Facebook ads to push a photo or a graphic they made on PowerPoint. Yep. And, and so commonly we see clients that, that just didn't have a holistic strategy. Yeah. You know, they'd been throwing darts at the, at the wall, seeing what sticks and they did a good job of trying all these things and they might've all worked a little bit here and there, but when you put them together holistically and you do them consistently, which many people also failed to do, um, then, then you can you you're gonna gain results from it. Um, the the most common thing that I hear clients say is, "This has always been something we've wanted to do, but we just have never gotten the time to get to it, or we never thought it was something that we could afford or pay for, um, or we didn't know where to turn, or the previous agency that we work with said they were gonna do a bunch of stuff and didn't, or didn't n- understand what we did because they didn't even care." Um, so. You know, with us, it's just about 
It's about asking questions and learning. We're not perfect by any means. We're going to make yeah. mistakes. We're going to mess things up. We're going to, you know, you're we're going to hu- not, you're, do, you're not human, do well. Joe? Yeah, we you're are human. human. Um, no way. But we're going to make it right. Whenever yeah. we mess up, you know, there's we're going to we're going to pay for it. We're going to we're going to send it out, you know, a correction. We're going to make it right. Um, you know, but but we we do the best we can and we try and we care. I love that. So as we start to wrap up the show, we have a set list of questions we like to ask everybody. The first one is, which I think I may know the answer to this question just from hearing your story. What is something you did as a kid you wish you could still do today? Don't you tell me it's cutting grass because I know that's not something you still wish you could do. It's not. It's not. Um, what did you think I was going to say? Film people. I get to do that still. Right. So what is something else you did as a kid? I was a runner. Okay. I ran all the time. All the time. And why'd you stop? Time. (laughs) Time. Something I would love to do again. I <laughs> uh, just gotta just gotta get up early enough. Well, I mean, I hear Varsity Sports has a good running club in the afternoons or in the mornings. I don't know their timing, but you know, yeah. hit Jenny Peters up. I'm sure she. They used to run by my timing. old office yeah, constantly. See? They probably run by your new office too. Yeah, you're close enough. They yeah. probably in actually they probably in by your office. So. They usually end at a bar, which I'm in full support of as well. Right, and you're you're close to Mid City Beer Garden, so. That's right. Right. Just finish there and then walk back to your house, walk That's back right. to the office. That's right. So what are three lessons you've learned along the way? Um, you're going to make mistakes. Um, that is definitely one lesson I've learned. You're going to make mistakes. You're not going to be perfect. You're going to piss people off. You're, you're going to do things wrong. You got to learn from them. You got to do the best you can. You got to learn from your mistakes. And you got to move forward. And if you can do that, um, you know, you're going to get better. And, and that's, that that makes me sleep at night in here and and that helps me wake up tomorrow to be better um the second is um is um no matter what you do um you're going to hit challenges in the plan you know things are going to come up so you've got to attack the day but you've got to have that adaptability to to take that challenge or take whatever's come up even though it wasn't it's not as perfect as you thought it was going to be and you got to figure out plan b and you got to work towards it um and the last is every day you just got to show up 90 percent of this world just doesn't show up um and we see it we see it a lot um whether it's you know people that we're hiring or 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 you know customers clients team members or you know things like that you just got to show up um, that's the first step. And if you, you listen and you ask questions and you do your best to understand, then you're going to get there. I love that. Yeah. Showing up is nine tenths of the solution, right? Yep. Okay. So what is something you love about Baton Rouge? I love the people, the food, the, the culture, the atmosphere. I know these are many things, but in Louisiana, they all tie together. It's all big, like one circle. It is. And you, you go other places, and of course, other places have it. They have you know, great food or great atmosphere or great geography or great nice people. But in Louisiana, it all comes together in one. And that's what makes it 
so unique. Um, like I said, I'm from Memphis and Memphis is a great place, but this area has its own, its own culture and its own feeling. And, and I know it sounds cliche, but unless you've been around and you've been around many, many places, you, you don't really understand it. Yeah, no, that's very true. What is something I can do to help you? Um, something you could do to help us is, is, um, you know, educating people about content and, and that's what you're doing. True, authentic content. You know, I think so much in this world, we try to put on, um, a script, um, or we try to use a stock photo, um, you know, where something's perfect. Um, and like I said earlier, uh, nothing's perfect. There's going to, there's going to be mistakes. There's going to be blemishes. There's going to be things that are wrong. Companies are going to mess up. Companies make mistakes just like people because they are a group of people. Um, and so educating people about being authentic and real. And, you know, we live in a, in a society that's lawyer hungry and we get sued for saying things and we're in a cancellation, you know, and all these things. But, the more we can be authentic and the more we can learn from our mistakes and, and, and move forward together, um, the better off we'll be. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. It's documenting your true self and making sure that what you're putting out there is real authentic. And I think content is a beautiful way of doing that. Yeah. Whether they're doing something in house, they're doing something external. You have to get content out there for your brand, wherever your customers are, wherever your potential customers are, it's got to get delivered. Yeah. And so, you know, People are scared to, to put out that content. You might upset somebody. You might, somebody might not like you or like the content, and that's okay. You know, something that we tell our clients is when we do this, we're going to find people that aren't your clients and people that are your clients. And that's good because you don't want to work with people who aren't your clients. Disqualifying clients that aren't your clients is a good step as well, just like finding good clients that are your clients. Yeah. You know, you can't please everybody, but find Sorry. those that you can please and make sure you treat them right. That's right. Well, thank you for coming on the show, thank John. You. I really appreciate your time and hearing your story. There's a lot there and you've done a lot over your life and I appreciate you continuing to do that for other businesses and showing them the power that content holds. Thank you. So thank you so much. And thank you, everybody else, for listening or watching the show. I really appreciate it. I know the guests do as well. If you're a business and you're on the fence about what do you do for your content strategy, just give John a call. Give their team a call. At least just sit down with them and talk with them. If you don't end up going with them, maybe they'll advise you in what ways you can do it yourself or maybe somebody else that will fit your better need. But at the end of the day, having a strategy from the January 1 to December 31st, and that is an ever-evolving strategy. You need it, regardless of the business that you are. So it's time to stop saying we thought about doing it or it's time to stop saying, eh, we'll get to it eventually. It's actually time to do it. Show up, get it done, and make it happen. Sweet. Thank you all so very much for listening and consuming this episode of the Patty G Show. I'm your host, and a big, wonderful thank you to the amazing sponsors that make this show possible. Hear a little bit more about them right now. Sell your home for a $399 flat fee with Falaya. No, seriously. Falaya will list your home on the MLS and help you get all the way to the closing table for as little as a $3.99 flat fee. Our online platform is insanely easy to use and will save you thousands. If you're thinking about selling your home in 2022 and want to keep more of your hard-earned equity in your pocket, you need to check out Falaya. Falaya, real estate. 
Reimagine. Thank you all so very much for listening to this episode of the Patty G Show brought to you by Government Taco. They're located on the corner of Government Street and Jefferson Highway. Jay is always slinging up a new taco of the month. So if you're a frequenter to Government Taco, let us know in the comments what you thought about this month's taco of the month. If you're not a frequenter, maybe trying out this month's taco might just convert you. Big thanks over to them at Government Taco for making the Patty G Show possible. Imagine taxiing on a plane looking toward the end of the runway. It seems so far away, it's even hard to see it. And that's what the concept of retirement probably felt like when you were in your 20s, 30s, and 40s, way far in the distance, not visible or even a concern. But as you turn 50, something happens. Retirement suddenly seems like something real, something not too far away. In your 50s, you are rolling down the runway. Retirement is getting closer and closer, faster and faster, weeks and months zipping by. But are you even ready for a successful takeoff to retirement? Fear not, there's still runway left. But the time is now. Time to make progress and time to get a plan. The Runway Decade will help you get organized, get energized, and give you the direction you need to take off to your desired retirement. The Runway Decade building a pre-retirement flight plan in your 50s. Thank you to Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge for making this show possible. Nick Pintus is a past guest. We love having him on. Listening to him talk about the culture they have over at Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge is really an incredible thing to hear. How they treat not only their employees, but every customer that walks through the door. You are more than just a number to them. They're going to give you that white glove concierge service every step of the way. They're going to make you feel like family and take what can be a stressful time in people's life. Shopping for a car, they're going to make it so enjoyable and so pleasurable. You're going to want to go back there time and time again for every new vehicle. Thank you so very much for Mercedes-Benz of making this show possible. Thank you to our wonderful sponsor, Lake Men's Health Center with our Lady of the Lake Physicians Group. Guys, I know it's tough to get out and go to the doctor. I know it's challenging to find time in our busy days, but I promise you, signing up to be a part of this group with Dr. Curtis Chastain and Dr. Tyler Boudreaux, you won't regret it for several reasons, but most of those being the fact of the time it saves, where you're able to get in on the same day, get that appointment done, and spend that time you need to talk with them about what your health goals and concerns are, as well as ensuring that the financial investments you have, you will be able to live out and see those come to fruition. So if you're an investing guy, you know all about and planning for the future and investing in the future. There's no other more important thing to invest in than your health. Make sure you go check them out. Our Lady of the Lake Physicians Group Men's Health Center and tell them Patty G sent you. Simple.